Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Koketso Sachane on SAFM. At 22 minutes past 9, the Viewpoint Koketso in for Songezo Mabeke. Have you ever heard of or know of obstetric violence? Obstetric violence is said to be violence that occurs against pregnant or birthing individuals and includes physical, emotional, psychological, and even sexual violence committed by healthcare practitioners such as doctors, nurses, and midwives. Now, as the country marks 16 days of activism for no violence against women and children, on the back of the disturbing crime stats in relation to gender-based violence, the prevalence of obstetric violence is ignored not enough is being said about the public and institutionalized form of violence that occur in our hospitals julie mento is leader of the embrace women movement and joins us now on the line julie thank you very much for making time to speak to us about this important matter good evening good evening thank you so much for having me on your show tonight it, it, you know, I find it very interesting that this we, we're discussing this topic this evening because on my on my way to to studio, I was in a conference call having a discussion around the treatment of uh, it was specifically the treatment of uh, persons living with disabilities in in mm. our public healthcare institutions, mm. but also the the conversation also moved to the the type of attitude that one finds at our healthcare institutions and connecting it to what we're talking about now, obstetric violence is also part of the issue and is very much prevalent, particularly in our private, in our public healthcare institutions. So mm. it's, it's just, if you could share with us its prevalence and, and what women go through. Mm. So obstetric violence is a term that many of your listeners may not be familiar with um, and yet it is something that as a country we have been aware of for many, many years. Um, studies in South Africa go back to you know, 1997 with the Medical Research Council first putting out a qualitative study on, on experiences of women living in the Western Cape and we have had a number of really passionate and dedicated researchers spending time understanding this issue, the systemic nature of this issue the sort of paternalistic um, nature of the healthcare system that feeds into this issue for many, many years. And yet it is still something that is largely misunderstood. Um, and as you were saying, you know, um, so, so speaking about um, how intersectional this issue is, it is an issue that obviously affects birthing people, predominantly people who might identify as women, and when they are at their most vulnerable, which is when you are pregnant, um, when you are in, in the throes of labor and in the very sort of sensitive postpartum period. Um, and it, obviously, as you can imagine, for people, depending on the different kinds of identities that people hold, there are mothers who are also disabled who would experience that in many different, you know, in, in a more extreme way. Um, young mothers, teenage mothers, um, women of color, women of different socioeconomic backgrounds um, experience this as a layered issue that is incredibly oppressive. And 
that is damaging. Um, you know, it's not just about sort of surviving your birth. And then, of course, we have many women who actually, you know, who who are there are instances where women don't survive, but where where you know surviving your birth is not something you get over. We hear stories from women who tell us, you know, about their births 15, 20. 30 years ago and speak about it with tears down their eyes and they talk about how they were treated at the moment of most vulnerable. So to explain what obstetric violence is, it is exactly as you said, it is, it is understood commonly as you know, disrespect, neglect, abuse, both physical or emotional or both um, during labor and delivery, but also extending now into antenatal care um, Sort of that women or birthing people experience um, in the healthcare system by healthcare practitioners, um, and it's really important that people understand this. Um, sometimes we think, you know, we hear about these stories when there is a very extreme case where someone has, you know, been where a mother has been beaten up, um, and that has happened. Um, or we hear about it through the lens of forced sterilization. Um, often of women who um, are HIV positive, um, and that is obviously horrific, and we've engaged with women who have experienced this, um, and, and that is a kind of a violence that is in your face. But it is also, also sometimes in the ways that are harder to articulate, and so, so women often don't actually even fully understand what has happened to them, but it's that feeling of discomfort. Why wasn't I cared for? I cried out mm. for help when I was in labor and no one came to me, or I was expected to be grateful birthing because I'm, you know, because my healthcare is free, in inverted commas, um, but I'm expected to be okay giving birth on soiled sheets, or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm expected to be okay with, you know, someone doing an intervention to me, a medical intervention, without explaining it to me, or speaking in a language I don't understand. All of these are, are forms of violence um, again, to people at their most vulnerable when you're in labor, <laughs> having been there myself, it is a time when you really are needing the most compassionate mm. care. And to deny people that, to deny women, birthing people, people, you know, that kind of level of care is just it's a very sad thing to say about our society. One, um, Julie, can easily go the route of, but we know about the Hippocratic Oath and we know what's mm. supposed to be happening, but mm. it isn't happening. And it does then raise the question around whether or not those in leadership in, in the health sector, in the health department, the various provinces and even in our clinics locally, if they are aware of what's going on. And you could argue that they can't not be aware of mm. what's going on, but the fact that there isn't anything being done about it in itself indicates what, what seems to be a systematic issue, mm. a it systemic issue. Right? Is. Yes, yes, it is a systemic issue, and it is complex for many, many reasons. Um, I, I just want to say uh, that, you know, having our work and embrace has brought us into contact with incredible healthcare professionals, um, and, and I don't believe, having met the midwives, the doctors that I have met, that people go into this profession with a desire to scream, shout, swear at, slap, you know, you know, sexually touch, inappropriately touch women. I don't believe that is a desire that anyone has. And yet the system is sort of is 
um, lacking in many, many, many things required to uh, allow healthcare practitioners to provide optimal um, care. And so I think that those in power have a lot to answer for. You know, we need to, compassionate care is not something that can be taught once off in nursing school. Um, it is something that requires a, a, a re, a overhaul of the kind of the way that we educate healthcare practitioners and how we continue to educate, it requires looking at the system. It's difficult to model care if you don't feel that you're being cared for. You know, many of the nurses and midwives are mothers themselves who are working long, long hours in very, very trying situations. Um, and so, you know, what is a burden? It's easy to kind of point your finger down and say these terrible nurses, these terrible midwives are so negligent. Um, but I think, as you said, the system is toxic um, and needs some severe accountability. Um, we need zero tolerance policies to this. Um, we need to have sort of punitive measures in place, not just for the healthcare provider who is the one who eventually, I don't know, does a procedure that shouldn't be done, but also for the managers uh, you know, who allow the system to take place where that can possibly happen. Um, so, so yes, we need to we need to be looking at embedding obstetric violence within the National Strategic Plan against gender-based violence and for, you know, for different departments to be talking to each other. Um, there, is, there, is, there is so much to be done and real noise to be made. And where we are lucky in South Africa is that there are a number of very senior um, healthcare professionals working in public service who are aware of this issue and agree that it's not okay. And we've been really fortunate over the last week to, to meet with some of them to talk about it. Um, mm -hmm. And it really is about gaining momentum now and having this conversation and saying, okay, so what are we going to do about this? At every single level, how are we going to tackle this to make sure that this doesn't happen to women going forward? Because the consequences are just so, so severe. Um, so, 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 yeah, and it is so widespread. And and I'm glad you're talking about it on on all all levels, uh, Julie. Because also, you know, some might easily go the route of yeah, but if it happens, then you know, you can file a lawsuit, medical malpractice, but mm -hmm. that cannot be the the go to place, or even Absolutely. the solution for that matter. Absolutely. I mean, we know that litigation is is one route that is taken and is creates a huge burden on the healthcare system and is not sustainable. Um, and, you know, it, it, again, it doesn't actually provide often the kind of solution that women seeking that kind of support need, and it's very expensive. It's not accessible to, to the most vulnerable um, women who, who require that kind of support. And so it is not, it is not the, the kind of solution. Obviously, you know, I'm not saying that it, there's no place for it, but I'm saying we really need to look at the root causes of this issue um, at, from all sides um, and make sure that that we really are working towards a system of, of compassionate care. I think the whole, <laughs> the whole healthcare system needs a, an overhaul um, and, and we need to really look at this. But it really does start with acknowledging, acknowledging that it exists and that it is, you know, we don't have the same, we've got a lot of qualitative data, um, and, and so we know there is prevalence, but we don't quite have the same statistics that we have for, for um, other forms of gender-based violence or for other sort of social issues. 
And sometimes I think that's something we might be lacking because I feel like I don't know what it's going to take to give the wake-up call that we need to know mm. that this is happening. Um, and as I said, you know, speaking to, to mothers, that's primarily what we do when we have storytelling circles with mothers. Often what will start as a conversation, you know, has something like this ever happened to you? And people go, no, no, no. And then we sort of talk about what it looked like, what your birth experience looked like. And you start to see, you know, were you cared for? Were you offered pain relief? Were you sent home with anything? If, you know, women having cesarean sections, which is major abdominal surgery, and not even being sent home with a panado, <laughs> you know, um, just really, and then, and then the light bulbs go on, like, oh, my goodness, you know, that, that did happen to me, and it wasn't okay. And, yes, it happened to my sister and my neighbor, and, you know, I had an infection from um, you know, a surgical cut that was not stitched up properly, you know, and I've struggled with incontinence for years and years and years. And so, as I said, it's not something that you just get over. Um, it has long-lasting impact on the mother, on the relationships she potentially has with her child, on the family, on the community and on our society. Most definitely. We're in conversation with Julie Mento, leader of the Embrace Women Movement, and really unpacking the different layers around obstetric violence and what is required. Before we do run out of time, you've got time to call still on 011-714-2006 or send us a WhatsApp voice note 614 Julie, before we do run out of time, again going back to the different layers and levels, mm-hmm. Are there conversations being had with the the powers that be in those groups where you are talking to mothers? Do we have any representatives at all from uh, the health sector? Are you having um, different discussions with them on other platforms to raise these issues, which, I mean, we know they are aware of? Absolutely. I mean, we're really fortunate that um, as as Embrace has been, um, you know, gathering up, gathering our own steam around this issue, we've been connected with, as I said, researchers, healthcare workers, groups of mothers. The network is growing who've been engaging with this issue for longer than we have. Um, and so we've used sort of 16 days, um, this 16 days of activism to, we had Lehotla last week to bring people together to really go, okay, what what conversations are you having? What conversations are we having? Let's see if we can network them together. Um, so, yes, there is work that's being done. There are conversations that are being had um, with, um, you know, we are, we are planning a steps for early next year where we can have very intentional conversations with the department, with the health ombudsman, um, with other bodies who, who need to come to the party. Um, and it is going to, you know, I, I'm not envisioning that we're going to be able to click our fingers and change this overnight, but mm-hmm. there is the, the momentum is there, and that's really, really encouraging. And as I said, you know, we are new to the party. There are many others who have been working at this tirelessly for years, and we're hoping to join forces with them and really just say we will no longer be quiet about this big injustice towards people at their most vulnerable um, when they are in labor. So, yes, yeah. we're committed, and we're continuing. That's lovely. How do people get a hold of, of you and your organization, uh, Julie, for those who would like to, you know, be involved in the, the different groups that you have or, you know, being able to yeah. have a platform where uh, we can share our experiences uh, and Absolutely. be able to get some advice? So, um, yeah, if you go and follow us on social media, you'll see the stories that we've been sharing over the last 
week and resources that we're putting out, you know, what to do if you have experienced any forms of violence, what are your rights, really pushing a rights-based approach. Um, so you can find us on Facebook, that's Embrace ZA, or Instagram, Embrace underscore ZA, or you can go to our web- website, which is um, embrace.org.za, and all of our social media details, contact details and information is there, and we'd love to connect with you. I appreciate the work that you do and also the work that the other brother does there in your life. (laughs) (laughs) I'll pass on the message. (laughs) You know what I mean. Go and check out. What's his Twitter handle again? Afro Daddy? Afro Daddy. (laughs) Afro Afro Daddy CT. He's the the cooler half, that's for sure. (laughs) Julie, thank you, man. Appreciate you always. Thanks, Cook So Have a good Thanks evening. Thank you very much. Uh, Julie Mento there, um, who is the leader of the Embrace Women Movement. Um, appreciate the work that they are doing. At 21 minutes to the hour of 10, we've got a few minutes. We'll take your voice notes and also your call. 11 714 2006 You might want to uh, comment on all the 